Are you looking for ways to strengthen your marriage? Would you like to raise children you enjoy being around? Do you long for a peaceful, orderly home that's a blessing to everyone who comes through its doors? Then you've come to the right place. I'm Jennifer Flanders, a Bible-believing, homeschooling mother to 12 and host of the Loving Life at Home podcast. Join me as we discover what God's Word has to say about marriage, motherhood, and minding the things that matter most. Hello, friend. Thanks so much for joining me today. On this week's episode of Loving Life at Home, I'd like to talk about girl power. There is so much being said these days about female empowerment, but little of it lines up with Scripture. And so I just would like to examine the messages that we're hearing in our culture and hold that up to what the Bible has to say about the way God designed women. My husband recently took me to see the new Barbie movie. I had lots of Barbies growing up and uh, played with them faithfully through childhood. I had a little, um, I never had a Barbie dollhouse, but the floor of my closet was the home to my Barbies and I decorated it and um, filled it with little miniatures and they lived there for most of my elementary school years. And so I was interested to see the movie. I had heard mixed reports on it. And uh, so Doug took me to see it. I didn't really care for the movie, although I do think that Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling did an amazing job bringing to life the characters of stereotypical Barbie and Malibu Ken. I really feel like those Barbies that lived on the floor of my closet had life figured out a little bit better than the characters in the movie did. I was disappointed to see that they were in such an adversarial relationship in the movie, and they never did figure out how to work in cooperation with each other and support one another, which is very sad because obviously Ken and Barbie were created for one another by Mattel, but... That's not really how it played out in the movie, and I won't give any spoilers except to say that they never really did learn good teamwork, and that's a shame. It's a shame, but not a surprise. I feel like the movie makers these days are intent on rebooting all the old classics. Uh, We see that Snow White is being redone right now. And from what I can tell from interviews I've watched on that, there's going to be big changes there too, and probably not for the better. Uh, I did see an interview this week with the actress that's playing the lead character in Disney's live-action remake of Sleeping Beauty, Elle Fanning had this to say about her character, quote, I think a lot of Disney films also, they expect the princess to be in armor and have a sword and fight and, oh, that makes her strong. And of course, there are princesses that it's necessary, like Mulan. She's a fighter that's in her DNA. And Aurora is a fighter in a different way. I think there's a strength in her femininity and softness. And there's nothing wrong with her wanting to be a mother and to be married. And you know, My mom always wanted to be a mom, and there's a beauty in that, and it is still strong. 
I loved that. I thought that was so refreshing to hear an actress say these things. And I agree with them too. There is a beauty and a strength in wanting to be a wife and mother. But both of those roles take the cooperation and the leadership of a man to make it happen. Some of the most important things that we can do in life takes that cooperation that was not present in the Barbie movie and needs to be present if our species is going to continue. So I'd like to talk about this concept of female empowerment that we hear so much of these days. How should we even define that? What does an empowered woman really look like? Is she wealthy? Is she world famous? Does she radiate prestige? Does she command the respect of her peers? Or maybe she carries political clout? Is she her own woman, completely autonomous like Barbie? She answers to no one. Is girl power something she wears like a badge or wields like a weapon? Would we even recognize an empowered woman if we met one on the street? Maybe, but maybe not. In the past half century, women have spent so much time focused on fighting for equality and closing the perceived gender gap that much of the very real power unique to our sex has been lost. It's been relinquished squandered, forgotten, or ignored. But it doesn't have to be that way. Girls are smart. We have brains and we can think. And if and when we notice that the proverbial baby has been tossed out with the bathwater, hopefully we have enough sense to retrieve it. We should be learning from past mistakes, both the mistakes that we make personally, individually, as well as the mistakes made by the generations that came before us. And we can and should change course is needed. It seems to me that the battle for sexual equality has morphed into a full-blown attack on common sense and decency. Regardless of what popular pundits of feminism may argue, being equal in worth and value is not the same as being identical in nature and function. There are by design some very real and very wonderful differences between men and women. True power comes not from denying that such differences exist, but by embracing those differences with gratitude and grace. And so that is what I want to look at today. I want to examine five distinguishable marks of an empowered woman, of a truly empowered woman. So let's get to that. First, an empowered woman inspires those around her. It's no secret that girls typically outperform boys on verbal tests. Women are communicators at heart. We're relational to the core. We're good with words, but words can be used to help or to hurt, to encourage or to tear down. An empowered woman understands this fact, and she chooses her words carefully. She's not catty or caustic or overly critical, nor does she curse like a sailor. That's merely rudeness masquerading as power. Think about it. A hurricane can make a great show of brute force, but look at all the devastation and destruction and despair that follow in its wake. While gentle spring rains may never make headline news, but they pack a potency that we do well to emulate as women. They have the power to refresh and rejuvenate, to nurture and nourish, and to bring life and growth and beauty. It takes sustained strength and directed determination to build up rather than to destroy. Proverbs 14.1 talks about the wise woman building her house, but a foolish one tearing hers down with her own hands. 
So we want to be wise. We want to build up. We don't want to destroy. We want to teach by example, to encourage those around us, to bring out the best in others, and to inspire everyone that comes into contact with us. That's real power. It's a power that each one of us possess, and it's a power that women with our communicative, tend and befriend natures are especially well-suited to employ, if only will purpose to do so. Ralph Waldo Emerson once wrote, Our chief want is someone who will inspire us to be what we know we could be. I think that goes right along with Hebrews 10.24. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as we see the day drawing near. Also, one of the best pictures Scripture gives us of an empowered woman is Proverbs 31, and the Amplified Version translates verse 10 of that chapter to read, A capable, intelligent, and virtuous woman, who is he who can find her? She is far more precious than jewels, and her value is far above rubies and pearls. That's what I aspire to. The second distinguishing mark of an empowered woman is that an empowered woman invigorates the opposite sex. As the mother of eight sons and as a casual observer of their many male friends, I can't help but notice the effect that feminine company has on a group of guys. When fellas know that a girl is watching, they will run faster, play harder, and push themselves further than they'd ever do without such an audience. That's because they're hardwired to want to woo a woman and win her attention and affection. This even came into play in the Barbie movie, Ken just wanted Barbie to notice him, and she would not give him the time of day. He craved her attention, he craved her respect, and he was denied it at every turn, every turn through the whole movie. Uh, When a girl starts to sense the sway that she has over guys, it can make her feel a little heady, and at that moment, she faces a choice. What is she going to do with that newfound power? Some are going to choose to misuse it and abuse it. That happened even in the Barbie movie. The only time that the Barbies gave any of the Kens attention was when they were trying to manipulate them. And that's really a sad commentary on what male-female relationships look like these days. When that happens, everybody suffers. In fact, one of the most devastating effects of the sexual revolution is that it has duped girls into believing they can use their sexual power indiscriminately without diluting its effectiveness or damaging themselves and others in the process. But that is a lie. It is a lie that has cheated many women out of the things that they most desire in life. Good health, lasting love, a stable marriage, a happy home, and bright, beautiful, well-adjusted children. An empowered woman doesn't squander her sexuality. She understands what's at stake. She respects her power, and she respects herself enough to use it wisely. She guards it. She protects it. She cherishes it. She says no to sex before marriage and yes to sex within marriage. And when the circumstance is right, she channels all that vivacious energy into one man, her husband. And in doing so, she not only blesses her spouse, but she benefits herself and her family and her society as a whole in myriad and magnificent ways. I actually wrote an entire book about how both husband and wife benefit from an active sex life within the context of marriage. 
Jane Goodall said, what you do makes a difference, and you have to decide what kind of difference you want to make. Nowhere should a woman's ability to invigorate the opposite sex be more apparent than in marriage. Proverbs 31, again, verses 11 through 12, in the Amplified Version, says, The heart of her husband trusts in her confidently and relies on and believes in her safely so that he has no lack of honest gain or need of dishonest spoil. She will comfort, encourage, and do him only good as long as there is life within her. Now, that's the Amplified Version that I memorized back in the 80s before I ever married. But that translation has undergone some revisions since then. So now those particular verses read, the heart of her husband trusts in her with secure confidence, and he will have no lack of gain. She comforts, encourages, and does him only good and not evil all the days of her life. I liked the depth of meaning in that earlier version, but I think both are good. My third point is that an empowered woman incubates new life. Bearing children is certainly not the only thing a woman can do, but only a woman can do it. Only a woman can conceive, carry, and give birth to the next generation. That is a power that has been completely denied men. Now, I've seen the headlines. I know they're trying to figure out a way to transplant uteruses into biological males so that they too can carry babies. But what I say still stands. Only the womb of a woman can do it. Granted, men are necessary for conception to occur, but it is within the womb of a mother that new life begins, that each tiny human is knitted together. You knit me together in my mother's womb, Psalm 139 says. As women, we are given the privilege of participating in that miracle of creation. There are many who have fought long and hard to give pregnant women the power to choose death, but the far greater power lies in our ability to choose life. An empowered woman values life. She recognizes life for the gift that it is, a gift that she willingly passes on to her children even at great personal sacrifice. If you are listening to this podcast right now, it is because your mother chose life for you. And if you're pregnant right now, even if the circumstances surrounding your pregnancy are less than perfect, you can still choose life for your own little one. That's what my husband's mother did for him, although her situation at the time was far from ideal. Carrying him to term was not an easy choice, nor was placing him for adoption as soon as he was born, but it was the best and the bravest choice she could make and one for which our entire family is eternally grateful. 12 children, 20 grandchildren that would not be here had she chosen differently. Deuteronomy 30, 19 says, I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life that you and your children may live. And then Proverbs, again, back to Proverbs 31, verse 27 in the Amplified reads, Strength and dignity are her clothing, and her position is strong and secure. She smiles at the future, knowing that she and her family are in readiness for it. Then verse 27, she looks well to how things go in her household, and the bread of idleness, gossip, discontent, and self-pity she will not eat. My fourth point would be that an empowered woman impacts future generations. Of course, giving birth is just the beginning. As one philosopher observed, the moment a child is born, the mother is also born. She never existed before. Motherhood has a way of modifying how a woman thinks. 
of altering what she values. Things that may once have seemed extremely important will often lose their significance once the baby enters the picture, not because the things themselves have changed, but because she has. An empowered woman is okay with that change. In fact, she embraces it. She recognizes what an incredible but fleeting opportunity a mother has to pour into the lives of her children and to love them and hold them and spend time with them, to train them and teach them. True power is not to be found in the boardroom, but in the classroom. Not in the White House, but in your house and mine. When we invest in the lives of our children, we are investing in the future, a future that will be upon us much sooner than we expect. For in the blink of an eye, all our little ones will be grown and gone. It seems like yesterday I was bringing number one home from the hospital, my very first son, and crying when he was four days old because he was growing up so fast. Now he's 35 years old and has 10 children of his own. So it passes so quickly. William Ross Wallace once said that the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. Now, as a Christian, I know it's really God's hand that rules the world, but there is a power in raising children that is undeniable. Proverbs 31, again, verses 28 through 31 in the Amplified Version read, Her children rise up and call her blessed, happy, fortunate, and to be envied. Her husband also, and he praises her, saying, Many daughters have done nobly and virtuously and well, but the strength of character that is steadfast in goodness, but you excel them all. Charm and grace are deceptive, and beauty is vain because it is not lasting, but a woman who reverently and worshipfully fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates of the city. And that brings us to the fifth point. An empowered woman imparts practical wisdom. There are so many voices in the world today that want to tell us how we should live, what we should do, how we should think. When deciding which voice to listen to, it's always a good idea to look first at the fruit and also examine it against Scripture. You don't want to be letting people pour into you that are saying things that are contrary to God's Word. But you also shouldn't plant apple trees if you don't want to grow apples. And you shouldn't take advice from bitter, angry, miserable people if you don't want to be bitter, angry, and miserable yourself. The Bible paints a compelling portrait of an empowered woman in Proverbs 31. She's smart. She's strong. She's hardworking and industrious. She's capable and confident and cool-headed and beyond all all that in Proverbs 31:26 we're told that the virtuous woman opens her mouth with skillful and godly wisdom and on her tongue is the law of kindness giving counsel and instruction an empowered woman has a wealth of wisdom and experience to share with others the counsel she offers is sound it's not some half-baked theory or failed rhetoric it is tested and proven it's tried and true she teaches through example she lives out her faith day by day, month by month, year by year. I am so thankful for the many wonderful mentors that God has provided for me over the years, friends who were further down life's road than I was, who took seriously God's charge for the older women to teach the younger, to love their husbands and love their children and be keepers at home, as it says in Titus 2, 3 through 5, and as we discussed in episode one of this podcast. But as I've transitioned into the role of an older woman myself now, I have tried to follow that good 
good example that my own mentor set for me and to clasp, carry, and pass on the baton as smoothly as they have done. Walter Lippmann observed, it requires wisdom to understand wisdom. The music is nothing when the audience is deaf. And so I I pray this next generation coming up, these Barbie fans and Snow White fans and rewriters of classic tales would have ears to hear and eyes to see what actually works and what actually makes sense and what is truly biblical. Now, please understand that I am not saying that you have to be a wife and mother to be in the center of God's will. Uh, I don't believe that. Uh, I think that Being a wife and mother is a wonderful thing, and it makes me sad to see so many young people dismiss it and reject it and think that it is burdensome and would crimp their style to... um, to embrace it. But I also understand that there are lots of women that would love to be wives that haven't had the opportunity. A suitable partner has not presented himself. I have some daughters that are in that same boat. They are devoted Christians. They seek after God with their whole heart. They are beautiful and smart and talented and successful, but they have not met a suitable match. So none of them are married yet. And I also understand that even women who are married and want to be mothers sometimes are not able to conceive. They can still impact future generations, though. They can still nurture the children around them and uh, nurture the younger women and have an impact and inspire others and uh, encourage others. In future episodes, I'm going to talk, I think next week, about choosing to have children because that also is being painted as something that is distasteful. Uh, to a lot of people in this upcoming generation, they, they're afraid to have children or they think it will be a drudgery to have children or they, I, I don't know. Anyway, let's talk about that uh, probably next week. I also want to talk and address the topic of these single women that would love to be married but can't find anybody. And we'll do that in an upcoming episode as well. But for today, summarizing that power to inspire others, to invigorate the opposite sex, to incubate new life, to impact the future, and to impart practical wisdom, that is girl power in a nutshell. Luke 12, 48 says, And from everyone who has been given much shall much be required, and to whom they entrusted much, of him they will ask all the more. Uncle Ben was essentially paraphrasing this verse when he told Peter Parker, With great power comes great responsibility. So there's no question that girl power, quote unquote, as God designed it, is a great thing. My question is, how will you use yours? Thanks so much for listening today. If you have a question you'd like to hear covered on this podcast, message me on Instagram at Flanders underscore family or contact me through my website, lovinglifeathome.com. Before you go, if you've been encouraged by something you've heard on the show, do me a favor and forward the link to a friend or head over to Loving Life at Home on Apple iTunes to subscribe and leave a written review of the show. Your doing so will help others find me so they can listen too. Until next time, I pray the Lord will bless your efforts to build a loving home life centered on Him.